Good afternoon, and welcome to the Live Poet Society, where we read aloud literature in real time and chat about it. I'm your unqualified host, Hattie Rensbury. For today's episode, I'm joined by a very special guest. Hello. Tom Cochran. Hi, Tom. Hi there, Hattie. How are you? You can hear me loud and clear now, hopefully. Yeah, I can. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I am super excited to have you on the show. As soon as I figured that I should call you about this show, I was really, really excited because you are in a Celtic music band, and the great part about this episode is the fact that we're talking about Robert Burns, and he was a lyricist and a poet um, from Scotland, and a lot of his music is still performed today. Do you guys perform any of his music? Yes, we do, actually. Uh, We perform... uh... Charlie's my darling. Uh, let's see, um, we've done. Uh, we don't do it a whole lot, but we do um, uh, Green Girl the Rushes. We uh, do a, a lot of the times. We do uh, Rattlin' Roar and Willie. Um, we've done Willie Brew to Peck a Malt. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, of course, uh, uh, we we know and have done at Burns dinners. Uh, Old Anxiety. Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, oh, Banks and Braze of Bonnie Doon, uh, yeah, yeah. Suffice uh, to say, uh, there's quite the, the collection, right? Yeah, 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 oh, there's an amazing amount to choose from, yes, and, uh, hundreds and, literally hundreds and hundreds. Um, uh, m- most people think of Robert Burns and they think of the poet, but, uh, he spent a lot of his last years, uh, the last seven or eight years of his life doing uh, uh, almost exclusively songwriting, right? And mm. taking um, old Scottish songs and um, sometimes rewriting, sometimes taking them and some of the lyrics had been lost and he would fill in lyrics. He did an amazing amount of work uh, saving basically the 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 treasury of Scott's uh, traditional music right? when it yeah. was sort of going fashion and uh, people were sort of letting it drift away. Right. And he took it and uh, made it um, accessible again for, for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's, there's something really impressive about that idea that he spent the last seven, eight years of his life you know, doing songwriting work and doing being a lyricist because he really only lived to be 37 years old. This is not a man who lived a very long time, um, but he contributed so much. Yeah, he was, uh, it's amazing, you know, that his, um, his output, uh, I, I've got uh, a book, The Complete Poems and Songs of Robert Burns, and, and I go back to it and back to it, and I still have not, claim to have read everything in there <laughs> that wrote. Um, and so it's it's uh, a, a daunting library to try and get through and uh, know a, a lot about absolutely yeah do you have a favorite oh gosh um, as as far as Lyrics, I think uh, A Man's a Man for All That is one of the classics. Um, of course, My Love is Like a Red Red Rose is probably one of the greatest love songs ever written. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Dylan claimed that that song maybe had more inspiration than any single work in inspiring his uh, lyrics. Wow. Right? 
and um, a lot of people don't know that Michael Jackson was a huge fan and was, uh, when he died, was in the process of trying to bring a Robert Burns musical to the stage. Really? Right? Yeah. So he, he had an influence so way beyond his time and years, and uh, yeah. That is so cool. Well, I wasn't aware of Michael Jackson's Robert Burns musical, but actually later on in the show, I was going to talk about how there is a musical um, yes. about Robert Burns from that I, I listened to the album from 2018 that's titled right. A Man's a Man, The Lives of Robert Burns. Um, right. So that's very cool that you brought that full circle before it had even happened. I'm excited <laughs> about that. Yeah. Um, so here's some background for our listeners on Robert Burns, for those of you who are not familiar. Um, this is an early celebration of Burns Night, which is a annual celebration that's usually held on January 25th. It is a point in time where people can enjoy some camaraderie, food, singing, recitations of poetry, and a bit of Scottish whiskey uh, in celebration of the birthday of Scotland's national bard, as he's sometimes referred to as um, Robert Burns. He is considered to be a part of the Romanticism movement, not the same as the spicy romantic novels on your aunt's bedside table, I promise. Um, but his contemporaries did include Scottish poet Walter Scott, the Bronte sisters, and Jane Austen. Um, although most commonly referenced romantic authors are actually significantly younger than Burns or were born after his death, such as Edgar Allan Poe, Alexandre Dumas, and Mary Shelley. Um, those specifically fit more into the Gothic literature, but Burns fits into that style of romanticism where he can talk about um, social politics and talks a lot about nature and a lot about the place that he lived, and that's a really particular little um, piece of, of romantic poetry that fits very well with the transcendentalists similar to um, Henry David Thoreau even though he's not technically considered to be a transcendentalist. Yeah, there's um, a short biography that uh, is one of my favorites because it, 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 uh, you don't have to get too deep into it, but it covers the high points of his life and by David Dakes, I think is how it's pronounced, uh, D-A-I-C-H-E-S. And he, uh, he, he claims that Burns is probably the least transcendental of, of all of these uh, poets simply because he doesn't t talk about the spiritual per se. Mm -hmm. Everything about what is here and was there in front of him to see and view and experience. And so, uh, but uh, he definitely was a man who observed life and uh, talked about it very fully, right? All its aspects. Absolutely. Uh, the good, the bad, and the in-betweens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a great description of kind of where he comes from with some of his works and how he approaches um, descriptive tones. And it, it suits him really well to music. That I yes. mean, yeah. 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 Um, okay, so let's read a quick poem, and then we can talk a little bit more about the culture that comes along with Burns Night. This is a... 
the Selkirk Grace is, according to UK book publisher Pan McMillan, is a well-known Thanksgiving poem said before meals. It's usually said after guests have sat down to enjoy a Burns night supper and before the first course is served. So here's the Selkirk Grace. Some hay meat and cannot eat, and some would eat that want it. But we have meat and we can eat. Say, let the Lord be thank it. <laughs> so that's a fun one that I thought would be nice to start what we're doing with before we set down to the full meal of poetry for the afternoon. <laughs> um, another popular poem that is read along with the haggis um, coming out to the table is Burns' Address to the Haggis. Are you familiar with that one, Tom? Oh, yes, yeah. Er far your answer, honest sonsy face, you shift another pudding race. Abun the mall, you attack your place. Pench, try for them. Well worthy of you are a great. Well worthy are you of a grace as long's my arm. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone to know that I did not ask Tom to pre-prepare that one, <laughs> and he still did a wonderful job. Now that just that's just the first stanza, which I, the rest of it I'm not as quite as clear on. So yeah. still, I I will take the first stanza. Burns, <laughs> along with things like address to the haggis. Um, wrote i think it's uh, addressed to the mouse addressed to the louse he's addressed to the devil he was not afraid of sort of making fun of himself and having fun with poetry and music um it was definitely an aspect of who he was as an artist for sure yeah he was a great satirist Uh, i mean he has uh holy willie's prayer is is sort of a, a satire on all these people who uh pray and think they're very holy but uh are really just basically praying for their own self and grass and their self um profit yes and so anyway um yeah he he loved the satire he loved uh, to poke fun at others and himself yes he did right yeah um okay i have another one for you are you familiar with my hearts in the highlands uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I'm going to read that if uh, if you have a moment. Sure. Farewell to the highlands. Farewell to the north. The birthplace of valor. The country of worth. Wherever I wander, wherever I rove, the hills of the highlands forever I love. My heart's in the highlands. My heart is not here. My heart's in the highlands, a chasing the deer, a chasing the wild deer and following the roe. My heart's in the highlands wherever I go. Farewell to the mountains, high covered with snow. Farewell to the straths and green valleys below. Farewell to the forests and wild hanging woods. Farewell to the torrents and loud pouring floods. You'll notice that I adjusted the pronunciation of several of the words at the end of the lines uh, to match the lines before them as I got further through the poem. Um, And that's because Burns has this really interesting habit of writing phonetically in the Scottish dialect. So it's very easy to gain a Scottish accent while reading his poetry, if you know how to pronounce it. Um, I'm sure you can attest to this, Tom. Um, In an American, specifically my personal Colorado accent, woods and floods are two moderately different sounds. But if I, like I just did, attempt a mild Scottish accent, Woods and floods suddenly become a lot closer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
which is a really wonderful benefit of getting to read poetry aloud um, and such an unexpected joy that I got to have when writing this episode because I wasn't expecting to get to to play with phonetics and how we how we read things and how they sound when they come out of our mouths versus how they look on a page. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think, oh, he wrote uh, all these um, poems and these funny sounding words, uh, the Scots dialect or Scots language. And yet he learned to read and write by reading the classical English literature and could write very proper English, right? Mm-hmm. He chose to take the Scots dialect and bring it into the forefront because most of the poets of his time or the Scots poets were trying to write in the proper English. That was the fashion. Mm. And trying to say, no, 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 you don't have to put your own language aside to be a good poet. And so it was remarkable that he could uh, turn, and he has some uh, poets, poems that he wrote in a very proper English style and cadence and rhyme scheme. And um, yet he's most famous for these poems that use the Scots. Yeah, yeah, there's something so incredibly charming. And I, I, feel, I felt this way when I read um, Oda a las Calcetines uh, uh, t- on an earlier episode. When you get to read something from a bilingual poet and experience yeah. the way that they wanted it done, it's right. entirely different. And I always recommend that people read it in the language it's written in, but also enjoy it in a translation because someone put time and effort and love into that translation um, right. to try and give it that sort of like artistic flourish that breathes life into it. Um, and not all of the poems that we're looking at today have these wonderful um, Scottish Gaelic leaning cadences and Scottish Gaelic uh, words and sort of like the the Spanglish of Scottish Gaelic is with that um, mixing of of Gaelic and English um, in such a unique way is how he uses it. But a poem that I can't read on air <laughs> because it's technically a little body is a uh, coming through the rye which i'm sure you've oh, heard yeah. uh yes. tom <laughs> i remember in grade school we learned a version and when i finally read burton's version i went oh my goodness uh-huh. <laughs> yeah so. there are some even more salacious versions um that we definitely can't mention but this one yeah. in particular is is burns's version that i'm looking at right now that i won't be um, reading in entirety, but he uses um, drelk, drelt, which is su- super hard for me as an English speaker to to say. Which, uh, instead of draggled, or so, as a as a verb of like dragging something through the mud in past right. tense, whirl, w a r l for world, and uh, ken for no, which I'm sure anybody who's seen um, Outlander has experienced that for sure. Do you kin it? Yeah. 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 Hi. <laughs> so it's um, it's such a cool thing to talk about with the fact that he had such an opportunity to be one of those poets that chose to write in quote unquote proper English and instead chose to add to the, the cultural value um, and, and really prioritize the things that he found to be important. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh- agree totally (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's a really um 
much. Just a really interesting poet. And again, I fully recommend that people read his pieces out loud always, um, because even if you don't know what you're looking at as a as a native English speaker or if another language is your native language, sounding it out um, is actually the best best method um, for his poetry if you see a word that you're not familiar with because it's probably written in the Scottish dialect. Right. Right. <laughs> um, oh, going to read us some more poems? I am. I am. Oh. I am. Would you like to guess what the next one is? Jeez, uh, are you going to do to a mouse? Or would you like a Scotland fact first? Oh, sure. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, now, I, I know we talked before about the fact that you, you own a kilt and you love your kilt. And kilts yes. are made of Scottish tartan, um, which right. is a plaid design that you'll see uh, on a wool fabric. I'm sure you're familiar, Tom. Um Turns out that particular type of design has been around since 250 CE. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, yeah, it's very, very old. The oldest one was made of sheep's wool and found in a clay jar amongst a few Roman coins. Um, mm -hmm. Another fact about Scottish tartan is that the queen herself has one. Or, or had one since she's since passed. Um, but Queen Elizabeth II had a personal one. There's a memorial one for Princess Diana. Um, and I believe that King Charles has one as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, a anyone can design uh, their own tartan. Um, and, and they can actually register. There is a tartan registry in Scotland. It's got over 6,000 different tartans I know right now. Um, but any, anyone could design their own tartan. And it's uh, some people do it as a hobby, right? Um, That's quite the I, hobby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a member of uh, a, a Scottish clan. My, my long, 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 long ago ancestors were uh, from the lowlands of Scotland, uh, the, the family Cochrane. And so I'm a member of Clan Cochrane, and it has um, four different plaids itself. And um, the clan chief uh, has designed two of those. That's super cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, I uh, I looked at the the registry myself just out of curiosity because my in laws have uh, Allison back there, and my in my mother's side there's Gordon, and of course they all have their own particular right. pattern. And uh, it, I encourage anyone who thinks they might have any sort of Scottish ancestry or even married in, because it doesn't matter who you are, yeah. um, you can wear tartan of any color, shape, size. Um, they have all sorts. Right. There's even one specifically for the country of Scotland. I believe it's purple. Um, uh -huh. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of lore around tartans. And the tartan itself, as you said, goes back for, for centuries. The kilt is not that old. Uh, I mean, relatively. Uh, the first kilts they know about only occurred in the 1500s. And so before that, people would have their plaids, which was a tartan blanket that they would wear. But they wouldn't, the, the, the kilt itself didn't come about until about the 1500s and then was generally worn only in the highlands. The lowlanders didn't wear it at that time at all. 
Right. And, and it wasn't until uh, Walter Scott tried to uh, bring about a Scottish renaissance and when King George II came to visit Scotland, he told all the clan leaders to show up in their kilts and uh, with the family tartan. Most of them had no idea what he was talking about and had to scramble <laughs> up their own tartans. And so even, you know, the, the Cochrane family tartan is probably only about 100 or 150 years old, right? Wow. So, so uh, and some of these tartans, you, you see the older picture of the people in their tartans and their kilts. They may be wearing uh, a kilt and one tartan, uh, kilt hose or socks with a di different tartan, a vest of another tartan, and a jacket of a, a fourth tartan, right? It was like th there wasn't a, such a thing as a tartan you had to wear. Right. And even, even to this day, most people uh, say, you know, don't worry about it. If you like a tartan, don't worry if it's some, supposedly somebody else's. You can wear that tartan. It's not, there's no law against you wearing any tartan. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get on to, a next, to the next poem? Sure. Let's do it. All right. I have here Afton Water. Oh, beautiful. Okay. Flow gently, sweet Afton, among thy green braes. Flow gently, I'll sing thee a song in thy praise. My Mary's asleep by thy murmuring stream. Flow gently, sweet Afton, disturb not her dream. Thou, stock dove, whose echo, whose echo resounds throw the glen, ye wild whistling blackbirds in yon thorny den, thou green-crested lapwing, thy screaming forebear, I charge you disturb not my slumbering fair. How lofty, sweet Afton, Thy neighboring hills, far marked with the courses of clear winding rills. There daily I wander, as noon rises high, my flocks and my Mary's sweet cot in my eye. How pleasant thy banks and green valleys below, where wild in the woodlands the primroses blow. There oft, as mild evening sweeps over the lea, the sweet-scented burke shades my Mary and me. Thy crystal stream, Afton, how lovely it glides, And winds by the cot where my Mary resides. How wanton thy waters her snowy feet lave, As gathering sweet flowerets she stems thy clear wave. Flow gently, sweet Afton, among thy green braes. Flow gently, sweet river, the theme of my lays. My Mary's asleep by thy murmuring stream. Flow gently, sweet Afton, disturb not her dream. Yeah. It's a beautiful. good one. It's a lovely yeah. one. Just... It's, it's, it's got a beautiful melody if you hear it sung as a song. Oh, well, I look forward to that. I'll hold you to that. <laughs> um, the next time you perform in a local local coffee shop or at the Rotary Club, I'll, I'll make sure I pester you about it. To perform with another couple, and I could play it on the guitar, but um, my friend Eames would sing it, and he had a, a beautiful bass voice that it was just, just wonderful to hear sing that song. Mm. But there are some wonderful versions out there if you get a chance to listen to them. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's And just the, just the illustration with words for this particular poem, you see this young woman laying in the grass as, this, as you hear this young man talking about, oh, don't, don't wake her up. And yeah. it's very charming. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you hear all of the blackbirds. He talks about all the little little animals hanging around. And he's like, please just don't just don't end this moment. 
And it's that beautiful experience we have when we're outside somewhere and we're really present. Like you hear the water running and you're like, oh, what year is it? It doesn't matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and that, that, that moment where we watch somebody that we love sleep and just love that moment right of watching them in their sleep and you know that is, is such a heartfelt thing mm-hmm. absolutely it's so vulnerable and so personal and i think this this poem specifically speaks so heavily to his part in the romanticism movement and especially in his part um with inspiring these really heart warming songs and and lyrics and and poetry that inspired people for centuries right right absolutely well speaking of songs and poetry i have one more for us to listen to and then we can chat a little bit more but i have one more um my personal first experience with the idea of burns night was when a scottish musician who goes by natty dread posted a video of herself singing a version of Burns's Red Red Rose on social media in 2021. Besides the inclusion of a Highland cow stuffy in the background, I love this version because it's so simple. She has an acoustic guitar, soft lighting, and a really lovely voice. She only sings the first verse, just as a warning. It's a very short piece, but it made such an impact on me. Um, that I had to find it again to play it for everyone. Um, There are many, many different versions of this particular poem and others set to music. I learned that the hard way, um, and I learned that not all of them are recorded with the same melody. Um, But they're all great because they're all really good in the way that they're written and the way that someone has added music to them. Um, And that really is the joy of, of poetry, so let me uh, let me play it for you real quick. Oh, my love is like a red red rose that's newly sprung in June. My love is like a melody that sweetly plays in tune. I know it was so very short, but I just, oh, love, love that piece. And I love that you talked about it first thing, because it's (laughs) such a great piece to to talk about, to start with and to end on, because it does make such a difference for people. Um, Would you like to hear a little bit more about a very specific story about Robert Burns, and then we'll be all set? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you the story of the rescued Kilmarnock volume. What would you do with a first edition book? Set it on your shelf, donate it to a library collection. How about using it to clean razors? Yeah, you heard me right. In the late 1800s, nearly 100 years after Burns' death, a collector of books 
and lover of Burns poetry, was walking down along the road in England and spotted an extremely rare first edition copy of Burns's book, Poems Chiefly in the Scottish Dialect. In the window of a barber shop, he watched as the barber made to tear out a page in order to clean his, la- his razors with. The copy is now displayed in Fife, Scotland, and well taken care of, despite its dilapidated state. In case you're wondering how long the barber had it, we're not sure. But long enough that he managed to clean his razors with the first 50 pages of the book. For reference, people, um, would you like to hear a little bit more about a very specific story about Robert Burns, and then we'll be all set. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you the story of the rescued Kilmarnock volume. What would you do with a first edition book? Set it on your shelf, donate it to a library collection. How about using it to clean razors? (laughs) Yeah, you heard me right. In the late 1800s, nearly 100 years after Burns' death, a collector of books and lover of Burns' poetry, was walking down along the road in England and spotted an extremely rare first edition copy of Burns' book, Poems Chiefly in the Scottish Dialect. In the window of a barber shop, he watched as the barber made to tear out a page in order to clean his, la- his razors with. The copy is now displayed in Fife, Scotland, and well taken care of, despite its dilapidated state. In case you're wondering how long the barber had it, we're not sure but long enough that he managed to clean his razors with the first 50 pages of the book. For reference, some third edition copies are currently listed online for sale for nearly $5,000 each, and this was an original first edition. Jeez. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) And with that, I will close our show. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining me today. We're running a little bit long. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening and And for chatting with us. Glass to you on uh, Burns Night. Yes, yes. Raise a glass to Robert Burns on the 25th, whatever you're drinking. And uh, happy Burns Night, everyone.